All right, guys, welcome back to the student cast. I'm here with a friend of mine, Lulu. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. good. Uh, so for people that don't know, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? What are you doing right now? Um, okay. So hello, everyone. It's my first time doing, uh, you know, such an experience for me. But my name is uh, Kunsul Vaigabatova. I'm originally from Kazakhstan um, and I'm currently my, my final year studying law at the Brno University. Um, what, what most excites me about this year is the fact that I get to do my dissertation on one of my topics that I was you know, curious about for such a long time and now I get to explore that area mm. a little bit more. All so right. yeah, it's a little bit me. <laughs> nice, I mean, uh, might start off and say like, why do you even start with law? Because in my mind, law yeah. is this boring, long drawn out <laughs> process where you get to the end and you make a lot of money but it seems yeah. very like uh, not exciting. So, I mean, why, why do you even do that? Yeah. Well, I actually had this conversation with a few of my friends yesterday. Like, why did I choose, you know, chose law initially? Well, for me, it's because what I, I actually don't really like reading, you know, and you have to read a lot in law. But um, what I like having the responsibility for something. Some type of person that if I have responsibility, for example, you know, to submit an assignment or something, I have to, you know, read. So I do read in that sense. Mm. But the other reason is because I actually hate maths <laughs> or science or to do anything with numbers. So I think that's why people actually do choose law because they don't really like my, my brain is not programmed to see numbers and yeah. to interpret numbers and solve things. That's why I chose law because I feel like it's just writing and reading <laughs> and analyzing and challenging every single little thing that you read. And my brain is so like, is like used to it and so analytical that anything I read, I just challenge it in my head. <laughs> so yeah, it just became like a practice for me. That's why I actually really like law in general, actually. Yeah. Is, is it like, um, is it as boring as because <laughs> I'm on the, the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I love science. I love maths. My brain only works in numbers, right? I read, yeah. I read numbers quicker than I read words. So in my head, reading all day or reading like books, uh, yeah. the work is the most awful thing I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> I couldn't imagine something more boring in my life. But so actually, yeah, I mean, in one, it does get boring, like, you know, the more you do the, sometimes, you know, especially something that's not a module that you don't really like, like property law. I don't really like property law, for example. And reading like each and every section in each case and each case, if you like re read the original documents, like 100 to 100 pages you have to read just to understand what happened in the end <laughs> in that case. Um, in that sense, it gets boring. And also because there is no answer to anything. It's yeah. always just like maybe potentially likely to happen and stuff like that so not even the judges know the exact answer to some you know to some things uh whereas you know with science and maths you always have one answer oh yeah that's <laughs> to the everything. best part <laughs> yeah and it's a hundred percent you can't just have you know potentially a different answer i mean i guess you have that with probabilities right yeah you but you work that have, out you still have to work out the <laughs> probability it's like the probability yeah like 80 percent, but you can't <laughs> It, it is that much it doesn't it, there's no like going two ways about it that's, yeah true that's why i love that's uh, actually, yeah 
like maths is just very direct in terms of answers even if i get something wrong i can accept yeah. that i got it wrong when i see okay yeah. this is right and this is wrong right there's that line yeah but when you can blag it a bit and be like oh yeah, yeah maybe this is right then i don't like that that's why i was so bad at english in school and i barely <laughs> passed my gcse's <laughs> yeah for me you know when i was doing my gcse's i did actually chose a scientific part of it um because i actually i went to school in malaysia so although i am i was born in kazakhstan um uh, but i moved to malaysia when i was just like seven or eight years old so i actually went to british international school then i finished my school in in malaysia and in my gcse's i did do science i did like physics biology and chemistry and i actually really enjoyed it you know because it was so interesting especially with chemistry and having to learn the formulas and writing it out and stuff like that and hydrogens and stuff but but then i was like oh do i really want to do this like for the rest of my life like where do i go you know i'm not really good with with like numbers and physics and formulas and stuff like that so i think that's why i chose law at the end of the day but i mean you could have gone so, into yeah. uh like if you don't really like maths you could have gone into journalism for example you could have gone into mm -hmm. uh history as well like i mean what, yeah what, why law like what is it about um, law is it, is it the money because i mean that's fair <laughs> well to an extent it is about money because like why not <laughs> like uh I, you know anyone wants to, everyone wants to make money at the end of the day that's that's what they do you know mm -hmm. um but actually uh, what also interested me about law it was in primary three in third grade in malaysia when i was like thinking and i was thinking back then i wanted to be a lawyer when i was like really young i don't know why i always wanted to be but i think it's because well i'm from where i'm from kazakhstan there's so much like injustice in everything and a huge amount of corruption and i wanted to help actually bring my country out of that situation but i thought it's like when i was young i thought it was such a big and wide goal like <laughs> to to help my country down and i was so small but i thought like you know maybe i can help some people individually where they feel like they're not getting enough money just to hire a lawyer or they're not understanding how the system works and they can't just receive that freedom and justice that they want mm -hmm. so i thought like i can you know for the first part of my career i can at least volunteer or help them um in that sense where the, the person who needs the most i will not just you know think just about the money i'll actually think of what the person wants so that was my kind of my mindset back then and that's what i was striving for, striving for to get and studying to get that education to basically understand how the system works to help people yeah i mean so yeah so you you said that you want to do that uh, for the early part of your career so you, yeah is that so what what's the final goal where where do you want to like finish uh, if because as much as it feels good and it's it's great to help people in need it doesn't pay the mm -hmm. bills right that that's yeah true. It, <laughs> You can only do so much there before you need to to start earning and reaping that reward of uh, doing all this work. So, what is like your end goal for? Um, yeah, I mean, I do want to become successful, of course. One day, I do want to make sure that what I do actually brings me money as well, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but for example, in law, you have 
well, two main areas is besides becoming a barrister, you can become a solicitor uh, where you go into a consultancy company and you help them in, uh, you know, consulting all companies and clients, basically the one you need that just come to you and approach you and you help them. That would bring you a lot of money in the sense that you go up and up and up every time. So you go from um, paralegal, you go to legal system, you go to senior associate, you go to a partner and you basically build your, build your career. So you know 100% what you're getting yourself into. I, on the other hand, don't really want that. I want to just work as an in-house lawyer, which means that you just choose the company you want to work for and you become their lawyer. So you protect the interests and represent that particular company. And then how I would want to, you know, make sure they give me money is uh, choose a really big successful company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, it might be too far, you know, reaching ahead, but like Apple, for example. Mm-hmm. But they love getting in lawsuits. Lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> they love suing everyone. So Exactly. That's why I think it will not be boring for me. I also make sure that whatever I do is not boring, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that I just, I don't sit in an office all day and just like, doing nothing i really like working and doing things and having this fast-paced kind of environment Mm -hmm. but i also really like actually fashion and makeup industry so if that doesn't happen i might go in there and still work as a lawyer but in those fields yeah so yeah i mean how i want to earn money (laughs) the the way i understand like laws and fashion is really difficult to uh to enforce just because of uh you know inspiration and stuff you can yeah it's kind of difficult to say that you copied something if if you know you're like no i just got inspired by it and then you make your own thing <laughs> so it'll be uh, i've seen it where it's like it's a little bit yeah. vague uh in that sense but i mean it's a very lucrative job being uh being a company's lawyer especially for mm-hmm. companies uh, like apple who love getting into lawsuits they they yeah. love, love suing people so they they're always going to need uh, a high level lawyer but uh, yeah exactly. so what's what's the degree like from start to finish because i i know obviously nothing about law did law. yeah <laughs> so if if someone was interested in law what what's year one year two and year three like so where do you start and where do you finish I mean, if someone is interested in law, they can obviously go to university. For example, A-levels, unlike like science or medicine, where you have to take some, you know, requirements. I think you have to take biology, right? In A-levels or something like that. Yeah. In law, there's nothing like that. There's actually a law module in A-levels, but actually they don't really like it when you take law because they teach you something, but they don't teach you like the full mm-hmm. thing. So it's just kind of annoying because then it just like, you know, ruins your mind. Uh, when you have we need to have a fresh mind when you come to university and learn law mm. so they prefer if you choose obviously humanities like history or politics or something like that history they love because it's very analytical and you mm. have to learn a lot of information you have to read and you have to write um, and then yeah you go to university you can choose um, for example law in general so they just give you any modules for the first second year mm. um, and then for the third year you you choose whatever you want to learn basically mm-hmm. whatever whatever area you like for example i like ip use intellectual property law mm-hmm. so you know it's about trademarks and registration of them and stuff like that um some people they know 
which path they exactly want to go to. So they choose law with something. So they choose law with criminal justice system or civil justice system or with law with corporate finance or something. So in third year, they don't really have an option. They just give you the modules for that, you know, the second selection they chose. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it depends who you want to become become a solicitor or you want to become a barrister so yeah. a barrister is the one that presents you in court um and that speaks on your behalf and the solicitor is the one who actually is like kind of behind the scenes person <laughs> who does all the you know the work uh, with the documents and stuff so if you're really like outspoken and you like talking and stuff and representing then barristers go and you have to do your bar exam uh whereas solicitor you just have to do to qualify we don't really have masters I mean, we do have masters officially in the sense that you can do masters in law, but it's not necessary, you know, comparison to other um, spheres. Um, you would do something like called an LPC, for example. So that is a legal practice course. So you qualify. So you have to do that to become a qualifying lawyer. So you can get a training contract in a law firm. And then you start working for the firm and then you just, you know, build your career with that firm. So this so, is how the path goes. Is the LPC yeah. uh, at the end of your third year then? So you, would you finish your third year and then do it? Or is it somewhere in? Yes. Within the... You would have to do it after you finish university, but you don't have to do it exactly after you finish university. You can do it later, later in the years. Yeah. So you can do it like when you're 30 or 20 something. But yeah. is it is it done through like the university? So let's say you finish and Brunel will yeah. be like, oh, uh, do you want to do your LPC this year or something? Is it is it no, done that way? No, no, no. It's optional. So you, okay. it's your, it's kind of your initiative. If you do want to become a qualified lawyer, you do have to do it. It's kind of a requirement for the law firms, but you don't have to do it immediately. And which is why the university don't actually like be like, okay, now you have to do your LPC or now you have to do your masters. They don't actually do that. It's kind of your choice, because actually Brunel doesn't offer LPC um it's very limited amount of universities in the uk that offer it as far as i know the best ones the university of law and bbp which offers like lpc courses yeah um other than that i'm not sure actually not every university does it so probably cambridge oxford yeah <laughs> probably <laughs> if i was to bet they probably do it i mean they, they do high level courses they do everything yeah so oxford's the oldest university uh, in the country so they probably do it yeah probably. i mean um so you're you're in your third year now you're doing your dissertation yeah. i mean we talked before this uh what you you're doing a dissertation on and it was really interesting so I might as well uh, mm -hmm. get you to speak about what is it exactly yeah well yes yeah, so th thank you for uh, pointing out that it was interesting <laughs> i mean <laughs> because not everyone <laughs> not in everyone finds it interesting <laughs> But yeah, so I actually, one of one of those students that is like, I knew exactly what I'm going to be writing about. Not exactly in terms of, you know, this specific thing, but in what area. Um, I know many people don't really know what you're going to write about, but I was the one who's like, okay, I know I'm going to write about this. Um, so what I'm going to be writing about is um, artificial intelligence and its implications in the legal industry from an EU perspective. So just about what the EU, you know, regulations and what do they think about artificial intelligence? Because actually it's quite broad. So, so if you're not aware what artificial intelligence is, um, because there's actually not a 
concrete definition of what it is. There's so many definitions, so many interpretations. But in general, it's any any machine is considered an artificial intelligence in shorts AI um, that carries out human-like you know uh, tasks, but is but it's not like programmed to do so. It's so it basically it learns by itself to do something. Um, you do have to program it, so computer scientists usually does that. Uh, but it learns by itself gradually and slowly. So it kind of become we can replace um, human-like tasks that they used to do before. So this is what it is and how it replaced some certain aspects in the stages of the law, uh, you know, reviewing process or something like that in the law school, basically. Um, and how is it growing today? It's called the AI boom, you know, currently. Yeah. So this is what I'm going to be writing about. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. Do you some, have any questions about it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, why, why are you writing about it first? I think is probably the most obvious one. Yeah. Why so, <laughs> yeah, why, why did I chose this? I mean, like, honestly, I was just tired, really, really tired one day. Uh, and I came back home uh, after like a whole, you know, whole day at the uni. And I was just like sitting there and I'm like, you know, all those machines, right? So I was talking to my friend, I'm like, you know, all these machines are like in the world, like what's going to happen to them if they apply in the law sphere? Could, could they potentially replace lawyers? Could they potentially replace you know, reduce their employment because they can be, they're most, they're more like efficient and they're more cheaper, you know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, they have so many benefits. So could they actually replace it? And then I, I started analyzing this idea and, and then, well, I will obviously it can't replace a human no, <laughs> just I, in short. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I didn't think I, so, I'm so. like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, to what extent, um, what are the implications and what are the advantages, advantages? And, and the other reason why I chose it was because it's very, very new topic of area. And, you know, I want to be one of those students. I'm actually aiming to get really good dissertation marks. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm actually one of those students that actually want to get a reward for it or something. I mean, I hope so. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. so not? I was like, it's actually very new, you know, it's um, it's it's so new that nobody even knows what it is like it doesn't even have a definition you know it doesn't nobody even knows how it works you know actually the manufacturers themselves of ai don't even know how could it work in the long run <laughs> they just create it and then they're like okay an issue happened i'm like and then they're like oh we did anticipate it we didn't know it's gonna happen so it's so like unpredictable and that what that interests me and how new it is and how it's evolving and there's not much evidence on it and that was interesting because i was like oh i can develop this area a bit better yeah i so, mean yeah, that's how it so during um guessing you've uh, you've started your dissertation now um mm -hmm. i mean how how much computer science are you having to learn now to understand ai or, or is it just <laughs> yeah like, you're reading some stuff but you're not really getting into debt going into depth you know I'm actually a very curious person. I, I like to know every single little thing and how it works, like from every perspective. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but both. both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, when you, for me, I don't have to know a computer science perspective because it is very technical and very technological um, 
that I myself, because I didn't learn it, I wouldn't be able to understand it, even the terminologies. So I don't have to know it to explain how it works in the law sphere, in a sense, because I'm not going to talk the technicality part of it. I'm going to talk about the implication it has in the legal industry. So, I mean, I didn't really have to do much research, but because I am curious, I, I did talk to my computer scientist friends. And unfortunately, they're like, no one thought us that yet. <laughs> no one, <laughs> no one teaches how to program an AI, so they don't really know either. So, I guess I'll just have to continue looking at it from you know the just the law perspective side of it, yeah. not the science. <laughs> I mean, like, so, I'm, yeah. I'm very lucky where my course now we've just got this entire updated uh, program where they've scrapped more or less everything they've done before for for engineering and they've brought in new stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's way more relevant. And part of that is going to be learning about AI, which is, mm -hmm. I mean, it's so interesting to me because everything mm -hmm. uses artificial intelligence and machine learning that you don't even realize it. Your phone knows and has artificial intelligence because it can learn that, okay, at around 5.30 p.m., you like going on Snapchat. So we're going to have Snapchat open in the background just in case because that's what usually happens. So then mm -hmm. when you open it up, it's a little bit quicker. Like little things like... Yeah. It's, it's so smart, but people don't realize how much AI there is everywhere, like uh, like your Google Home or your your Google products. Uh, when you ask Alexa to do something, that that's AI. It's a, it's an exactly. assistant. It's more uh, direct connection with with the device itself because you're actually speaking to it. But it's mm -hmm. still AI. It's learning. It learns your voice. It learns patterns of your voice. Uh, like if you have a newer iPhone Face ID, you realize that. If you think about it, when you have a beard or something like, say, you have long hair and you cut mm -hmm. it, your phone learns. Okay, this is still you, but you got a haircut. Exactly. Yeah, there's little things like that where uh, AI is is going to be used way more in everything we we have. Like, and mm -hmm. self-driving cars are going to use AI, and it's it's better for um, repetitive tasks. AI is brilliant at doing things that w where a person will get tired, fatigued, or have emotion that's where AI works best because it takes all of that out. Um, mm -hmm. So when you're driving a car late at night, uh, a computer can do it way better because it can see in the dark, it's never tired, and it doesn't have any kind of emotions or direction. It's always paying attention to the road. It doesn't do mm -hmm. anything else. It's not talking to someone. It's not arguing. It, it knows and it learns. So Yeah, AI, exactly. So AI in that sense, I think people need to understand that it... There's this like idea some people i don't know why they feel like ai is bad and it's going to take over the world <laughs> like... yes of course <laughs> i mean people always find the bad in everything <laughs> yeah that they especially lawyers but <laughs> yeah um, that's your job yeah exactly that's our job you know to find the bad and, and the good but then you know make sure the bad is always uh higher than the good but yeah um Oh, yes, of course. I actually was researching. I did read a lot of articles. Some of them are actually quite aggressive uh, in the sense that they're like, no, it's really bad. It's going to like ruin everything we have, the society and stuff like that. Um, there's AI, it has so many um, impacts on every little aspect. So on the societal aspects, on the legal, the moral, the ethics, psychological, on basically any aspect you can think of. And... Um, 
with the societal one, they think that right now we still have inequality. We have segregation, we have racial minorities that are not able to, you know, receive um, the education or perhaps they don't have the enough education to get employed and stuff like that, the inequality basically in society. And they say that artificial intelligence is actually going to create more issues uh, with the racial inequality. It's actually going to create even deeper segregation in that sense. It's going to separate and create an even bigger gap between societies. Um, and why is that? Is because right now for the recruitment process, you realize how they use a machine because it kind of detects the, um, the requirements that they need for an employer. And then if they see that the CV doesn't you know, have that, they just basically scrap it away. So they have a machine right now in the recruitment processes because there's so many applications and there's not enough employees to go through each, all of them. They have a machine where it kind of looks at the keywords. And then if, if they see that it doesn't have the exact you know marks or grades perfect skills they kind of remove that completely so what they're they are afraid of is that they look at the quantitative data so they look at the exact words and the numbers they don't look at qualitative so they don't look at the personality and the individual person themselves and who the person is in general they just look at the paper and that's it um and the other issue is because if if this is going to go on and on and on people are not are just going to be trying to fit that kind of model you know they're just going to try to put in keywords in the cv so just so they can get detected so that's the issue it's like and then the parents are going to make sure that the kids learn in that specific way so they can get detected so they can get the specific skills for that work so it's kind of crazy this illusion that it's gonna because people with the you know poor opportunities they can't have the machine they can't have computers for example so they can't achieve those skills or those grades that other kids have so it creates even more inequality in that sense so people are afraid that it has societal implications societal negative effects and um moral ethical effects in the sense that i'm actually uh, analyzing the idea is it trustworthy you know because can we trust machines uh, some people say that it has diminished consumer trust. So not many consumers trust AI. So how do you realize when you go into a website, there's like a chat box that comes up like a robot or something. Yeah, yeah. That says like, do you need help? <laughs> so yeah, this is, that's also actually one of the, the considered AI. So people are like consumers that need help with their you know purchase online and they have this chat box a robot box coming up and saying what did what do you need what help do you need they don't feel like they're appreciated you know because like they want a human to human kind of contact conversation they just want a person to call them and ask them what it is because they feel like they're more valuable in a way so they will be more attracted to whatever they want to purchase but when you have a chat box and sometimes the kids keeps on lagging and it doesn't give you enough information or gives you incorrect information it doesn't understand you it kind of frustrates people and this is how you actually lose consumers in you know in the long run because you, you just it's easier to replace with machines and not bother about anything else not bother about the consumers themselves and the needs and 
any other implications because it's actually cheaper to employ an AI and it's cost effective. So, uh, I'm sorry, it's um, efficient. So it takes less time. And yeah, so this is, these are so many issues with AI, but yeah. Do, do you think, do you find an issue with AI? No, <laughs> I, I think that I'm one of those people that is, it, it's so easy. Like if I go to McDonald's, I order on the screen. I don't like talking to people. Like I, I don't, I, I prefer the chat box with the computer most of the time than actually speaking yeah. on the phone. Cause I don't have to translate. I don't have to try and understand it. Like there's most of the time you can call someone, you can hear stuff in the background yeah. that, that it cuts out. Like they don't <laughs> like, you have to think of it in a different way. Like a business with, who has to employ hundreds of uh, customer uh, service representatives that's unreasonable. Uh, you can't, you can't mm -hmm. have that. Or you can have less, and people can wait on hold for hours, like they've known to uh, do. Whereas, if you have that chat box, it offers mm -hmm. a quick solution, which most of the time people have like short, small problems. So that can solve like eighty percent mm -hmm. of those, and then you get directed to to the person when it yeah. the, the the software can't solve it itself. So, I think. AI is way smarter and people are afraid of losing their job, which is going to happen, right? Yeah. So many jobs yeah. <laughs> out of, you can just look at the automotive industry. Uh, uh, Detroit as an example, it mm -hmm. was a booming town with a huge, it was one of the richest towns uh, or cities in the, in a, America at the time. Yeah. And with, uh, with Ford and General Motors coming in and uh, having robotics and uh, the production line added, jobs went out the window you didn't need as many people so they did they also went offshore they employed cheaper uh, labor it's just a business it's it's how it works you you're looking at it in that sense and i get that people are afraid but it's always been like that you you have to uh, adapt or die it no matter what industry, yeah. if it was 200 years ago 100 years ago you you have to adapt you have to be willing to be flexible and uh if you're in an industry where you know that it's not going to last forever you have to be understanding of that and willing to change you can't force your uh your perception and your your ways mm -hmm. uh to get your way you can't go kicking and screaming the world moves in one direction you either go with it or you'll get left behind so True. i'm i'm as an engineer, I'm always thinking about the future and trying to build yeah. and design the future and make things simpler and easier. And most of the time, getting rid of people is a better <laughs> is a better option. If you can if you can get a computer to do it, it's usually more yeah. reliable. It can work 24 hours where a person can't and it costs less money. But how would you like I just have a question, you know, how would you feel? For example, you're working for a company and they'd be like, oh, we don't need you anymore. We can replace you with someone else. We can replace you with an AI machine. It does the same job. Like it can create things. So, and then you will be not, and then you go to another employee and be like, oh no, we have enough employees. They're all AI. <laughs> How would you feel in that sense? Like, I mean, would, you, would you still like it? I mean, I obviously I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, I'm not going to like it. Uh, whether I yeah. like it or not isn't the point. It's uh it's the way it's going you you can't get away from it it's not like someone's ever going to be surprised that that a machine's taking their job you can't possibly be shocked <laughs> yeah right you have to know these kind of things it's it's gonna come uh mm -hmm. and see it it's not uh mm -hmm. 
creeping up behind you and then tomorrow they come in and <laughs> yeah. rebuild the factory like it doesn't change that quickly so if i was in that situation yes i would be annoyed yes it wouldn't be easy it would be way harder but people get over it and move on like people are yeah. resilient people aren't just going to sit there and be like okay my life's ruined i'm i'm i can't do anything they're usually going <laughs> to Maybe they'll do that for a day, like they'll get. Yeah, but they're pretty adaptable, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, people, people, people are adaptable. You see people switching, switching jobs. If you're uh, not working, uh, companies do it where, say, your job is replaced by a machine, that they'll, they'll train you to become the the technician, right? So you're going to become the yeah. operator to maintain it. Stuff like that, you can look at that kind of position. You can you can look at retraining. I, I get it's not ideal, but if people want what they want, if you want that yeah. new phone, pe people love new things, right? People love having yeah. <laughs> that, the shiny new thing, the new computer, the new phone, the new car, mm -hmm. but they don't realize what it takes to do that. And without the, the uh, R&D and the expansion and having, uh, building these things like AI, like simulations, I'm running uh, fluid simulations on my computer. If I, if I couldn't do that on the computer, things would be way slower. The change exactly. wouldn't happen as quickly and you wouldn't get your shiny new phone. So you yeah. have to realize you know where things come yeah. from. Mm -hmm. I, I actually agree with you. I actually like the, the fact that you're looking from a positive side, especially as an engineer, because that's what I actually, whilst I was researching, I came to this conclusion, right? <laughs> this is like what I would write about exactly, for example. Um, there are so many negatives about AI is, but and as you said, people complain that it might, you know, get rid of some jobs. But you know, it actually might create jobs course, in general, yeah. right? So it might give you even more jobs because there might be people who need to assist the AI, you know, who must control the AI. I don't know who help with the AI. It's just there's so many creation of jobs, and it's actually inevitable. So it always it will happen, you know, someday. So people just have to get used to it. Um, for example back in the day when people were riding horses right um riding horses and stuff like that and living in villages and then they started creating machines like a machine like a car and so then people who would have to take care of a horse they lost their jobs yeah. <laughs> people don't really need them anymore they have cars they don't really need people who would have to help them with the cleaning with the horse to maintain the you know anything with the horses they just have to they just have a car and that happens with anything with the coffee machines or it yeah people do lose jobs but it created a lot of jobs for the car machine you know, manufacturers and there's so many a lot more jobs than they used to be back then so so my concern is that, yes, of course, I actually agree with you that um, it actually brings more advantages than disadvantages in that mm. sense. It actually um, it helps the world evolve. It helps the world to um, to reach kind of a new standard, right? And where people would have to comply with it inevitably. Um, my concern, you know, from the law perspective is that there's actually no laws to regulate this kind of boom and involvement happening mm. because there is a regulation have you heard of it? it's called gdpr no 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 idea. okay <laughs> <laughs> okay i mean i i thought so but it just to you know make sure no. um it, it's a general data protection regulation okay it's um european union law mm. eu law basically 
And when there's an EU law, um, the member states of the European Union have to adapt to it. They have to make sure they have implemented a national law that complies with the regulation that has the same kind of aspects. So the UK has implemented this kind of national law, but what it does, it actually regulates um, data protection privacy for anyone, any individual, any citizen, basically. Mm -hmm. So they, we have now the right to be informed of um, our rights in the sense that if we um, demand our personal information, data, they have to, a company have to provide it to us. Mm -hmm. If we have, we, we can set a deadline. So you have two months to provide it to me. I wanna know what information you have. So they have to do it because back then, because there was so much of the AI kind of issues, we didn't have any reg regulation. And this regulation actually only happened in 2018. So it's the only three years yeah. <laughs> since we've been, our rights being protected in terms of data. But the issue is with that, have, I think, you know, with the algorithms, right? Mm -hmm. Have you heard of the, so yeah. So issues with the algorithmic kind of aspect where one information gets picked up and then it gets kind of thrown to someone else. So then you kind of, especially like a Twitter, you know, mm -hmm. when it gets retweeted, 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 and then nobody knows who actually posted it initially, you know, who's the main origin and the source of that, you know, tweet. So that's the issue with the, because it doesn't protect that type of information. Information has been picked up and sent somewhere else because nobody knows how it works. Not even developers know how it works, so they can't regulate it. So that is my main concern, is that it, it actually advantages outweigh its disadvantages, but we have to amend the law or we have to create new laws to regulate this kind of process, because if not, you know, we can have all of our information stolen and nothing, uh, we will, basically people will be just like selling them to someone else and especially if it's very confidential it create a lot of issues so the thing i've always thought about right is i don't have anything that's confidential like <laughs> I, I don't really hide anything there's not really anything that i care about and a lot of the time it's like um people don't like having the curated facebook ads or instagram ads when mm -hmm. uh, yeah the the stuff where your your cookies or your data stuff that you've been looking at online gets shared and it gets posted to you right it yeah. i kind of i kind of like it where it reminds me of like actually i kind of like this thing and it's not trying to sell me a bath bomb right something i don't care yeah. about <laughs> yeah I, I understand maybe it's 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 a personal thing right i don't feel like it's been shoved down my throat where it's like oh mm -hmm. get this get this get this I'm able to just be like, oh, block it off. But I see it as more of a, a curated reminder uh, than uh, mm -hmm. something that's inferring on my privacy. It's yeah because I, I'm pretty open and about what I have. I let people just browse through my phone. I show people my bank balance. I don't care. Like, what have, what have I got to hide? <laughs> I think being more open with uh, my information and what I post out there is is more beneficial than than trying to hide it. That. I had this uh, uh, conversation with mm -hmm. someone about the the taboo of uh, hiding your wages, like salary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm mm -hmm. more than happy to tell someone exactly how much I make, how much I uh, I'm earning, where my money is, that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. I don't. See yeah, I agree. Actually, mm -hmm. 
I think it's it's beneficial to other people to understand uh, financially because a, a lot of people aren't financially literate. And if I'm able to help someone understand uh, finances and where to put their money and things like that, and companies love w- love it when you don't share your salary. So if you yeah. have two people, yeah, they love it because if you have two mm-hmm. people doing the same job, you and one person's like, oh no, I want more, and you pay them but you create this system where you don't talk about it, right? You'd never know. Mm-hmm. So that other person exactly. is getting uh, is getting basically scalped, uh, but he doesn't know it, right? So I yeah. think more uh, openness about your finances and money, because it's very taboo, people don't like talking about it, I think it's going to be beneficial overall. But I don't know if you feel... Yeah, I, I, no, yeah, for sure. I, I actually agree with that. I'm actually the type of person that doesn't doesn't really care about anything <laughs> if I say it that way um I'm very open I for me I don't really like for example like my husband for example the other hand he's very protective of everything bit, he's bit like dodgy. <laughs> yeah. <he> hiding? <laughs> I mean I hope nothing because <laughs> like I he's with me 24 7 nothing to hide from me but yeah he's like you know, for example, he has a, his letter, a personal letter sent to him from work or, or anywhere else, and he has his personal information. He makes sure he will throw, he will like break it into every small little piece to inches before he throws it out, so no one will see it, no one will see his information. Um, and he will like make sure he cut his cards or his cards, and no one will see his information when he oh, throws I, it. Oh, I, I cut my cards yeah. for safety reasons, but that's yeah, the- yeah, okay, so stay, yeah, I agree with that one. But yeah, so. I'm actually the opposite of him. He he forces me to be that person where I care about my safety of my information and stuff. But I, in general, I never used to care about it. Like, um, I'm like, what's gonna happen to me yeah. <laughs> if someone knows my address? You know, actually thinking about if someone knows my address, that's kind of actually that's not a bit scary. But <laughs> I mean, imagine if everyone knows your address. But. What what's really gonna happen? I think a lot of people have this uh, self centered view of the world. Like, who cares if everyone knows your address, right? If everyone knew everyone's address, what what does that accomplish? <laughs> it's only gonna affect those people that that already have uh, protection in place. So the people yeah. addresses you want to know are Will Smith, right? People know where Will Smith lives, but he's got twenty four seven security, right? <laughs> no, so I'm, yeah. I'm afraid to say for like most people, people don't actually care about your life. It's really, it's really sad to say it because people feel like it. They should uh, have someone. Yeah, I'm not saying no one does, but the general yeah. public, the the seven billion people on Earth, maybe fifty of them actually give a shit. Like everyone yeah. else doesn't care. You're not that special, and. I think people have this. Oh, that sounds really sad. I know it is, but it's a harsh truth. <laughs> It's the reality yeah, of the true. world where you're not that special and people don't really care uh, about your information. Like, ooh, you, my uh, my account got like jumped on Instagram. Ooh, what's gonna happen? I don't know. What are they gonna look at? My memes that I send my friends? Like, like, <laughs> like but what about stalkers though? What if you had a person that's been, you know, looking at you and for example, you live in a good place and you have good things and you, you know, I would say, you know, good working class person that has everything you need. And then you have a, um, a stalker that doesn't really have those things. So he will just be following you around and then he'll have your address, right? 
Yeah. So then, he, when you're not at home, he can just steal your things. I'm just thinking in that sense, they're well, that's a that's a safety reason. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. right, leave your front door open at night because <laughs> because everyone's a good person. I, I I still think you should have like protection in place because uh, I think most people are, are are good in the world. Generally, people are, are good-hearted people, but it's the like the ten percent that fuck it up for everyone else. So yeah, just because. Uh, you haven't had a break-in in your house in 365 days doesn't mean <laughs> that you won't have one I still think that there should be measures put in place be proactive rather than reactive um, mm -hmm. but then again it's you have to remember that it, the likelihood is very little um, for s stuff like yeah, that. yeah like, true but also don't you think it's also like a cultural thing like you're from Serbia right yeah as far as I remember so I, I think like for example in Kazakhstan they don't really care much about their data because they don't even know what it is you know oh yeah same they don't, yeah like for example you put your information on like a survey and they don't, they don't even know what they're putting in information they don't even know where it's going to go and how is it going to circulate they don't mm -hmm. it hadn't like I've spoken to so many people in Kazakhstan I have not seen a person who who you know very confident in confident in know what ai is <laughs> so they can't even tell you what like where the information comes from they don't even know what algorithms are and how it works and stuff like that so they don't even know that they, the information actually can't be protected if they wanted to mm -hmm. whereas in the uk whereas people are so concerned about having their information protected their bank details or addresses like they don't need to see anything and then they have these regulations of data protection which basically gives them this mindset actually data protection so i i have the ability to protect my data so mm -hmm. then i have this mindset where okay maybe i should protect my data so yeah interesting it's called culture thing as well oh yeah i also think it's uh when when i talk about serbia it's not a developed nation right it's not a yeah a first world country but it's not third it's second i guess if that works i don't even know <laughs> if that's a thing yeah <laughs> it's it's not a very progressive place and things like uh, understanding it's like going back in time i always feel like yeah because it feels like they're like 10 or 15 years behind the the the, the world when where we live same in. right yeah so you're going back there and they don't understand like google and these uh, corporations and what they're doing and what data is and how yeah. computers work and information it's it's something that isn't and everyone who does understand that especially being from a, a poorer nation they mm -hmm. they move out they have that uh was it the skilled people just leave right they can work yeah. for other companies they move they get a better life because the opportunities in the con in serbia are just little to none it's a it's a extremely yeah. corrupt nation it's very poor like there's a lot of people below the poverty line it's very old school in its in its ideal yeah, stuff so it's i think that it is part of it and that's kind of what makes it cultural because mm -hmm. that is technically the culture but i think yeah. <laughs> it, i think if more people there was more understanding um because mm -hmm. everything over there is is very old there hasn't been money put in for for like schools uh, and teachers who can teach people like a lot of stuff we learn is in school like understanding mm -hmm. how to use computers we a lot of us have been lucky enough to have like computer rooms in primary schools and going on the computer and learning how to type and things like that a lot of people over there don't use a computer until they're 17 18 so they yeah. don't understand 
from a young age how things work and what you should and shouldn't uh, mm-hmm. do on the internet don't reply to the nigerian prince on your emails <laughs> like that's not a good idea yeah <laughs> that, that, that kind of stuff isn't understood so i think being in a western world we have the data protection acts and and things like that i think those countries will get it but it's a more case of mm-hmm. it's going to be a while yeah. before they get it because like yeah exactly i think even in the uk they still don't fully understand the issue with data they still don't understand how it works so Considering the fact that Kazakhstan is also underdeveloped, I feel like most Soviet countries, back Soviet countries, are underdeveloped. Um, and uh, so in Kazakhstan as well, nobody really used computers back in those times, especially. So explaining these kind of things to the older generation is going to be impossible. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, like I, my mom tried to, she asked me, oh, the dissertation is about, I'm like, I can't explain it to you. You're not going to understand it. (laughs) Even if I try, you're not going to understand it, you know? So I think with the UK, it's just like they're more kind of, although they are a little bit more developed and they have these kind of opportunities, even the UK, even the US don't fully understand how it works. So expecting for Kazakhstan to be fully aware how to protect the data is kind of impossible. Yeah, So. I mean... But yeah, but I, I agree with you in general, but I, yeah, for me, I actually don't really like, I don't really care about my data. It's just like, if I put my information out there, I don't really, I don't really care what's going to happen to it. You know, it's just mm. like, you get my name, you get my email and address, I might get a few spams on my email, but I can block them. Yeah. So, but, but most email clients have like a spam filter anyway, you don't really yeah. even see it uh, most days anymore, but I like mm-hmm. reading some of them just because they're funny. Like it's, it provides yeah. a source of entertainment. Like these scams are really bad and people don't understand how to avoid it. They're, as someone who's really into computers and I, mm-hmm. and I understand it, like when I see an email that says like, oh, your Apple account is, has been charged. Uh, first thing I do is like, see what email account has actually sent that. Most of the times yeah. it's like a jumble of letters and numbers at gmail.co.ie or something. And I'm like, that is not even, <laughs> close to trying for a real yeah you haven't tried hard enough no <laughs> like get me with a good scam not a really shitty one yeah but do good job also do you, do you get like phone calls um from time to time like oh saying, yeah saying oh you, you brought a you broke a card and you owe me some money yeah yeah uh, and stuff like that it's always uh, i'm actually yeah the google automated voice it's never like a normal person that calls you it's the, the random <laughs> computer-generated voice. Like, yeah, really, the government is going to call me on that <laughs> without sending yeah. to or something first. Like, <laughs> so don't you ever thought about, oh, like, where, where do you think they got your phone number from? Uh, it's probably, uh, I'm on some shady sites, <laughs> so probably through there or somewhere. But I don't really care. And also, don't you think, like, maybe because right now you don't ha- really have nothing to lose, kind of, in a sense, like, because maybe in the future, right, when you become, like, a successful engineer, right, yeah. and I'll be a successful lawyer, I hope so, yeah. but, but when you have a family and you have those, like, assets, for example, like, so much money and stuff, like, don't you think then you'll be more protective of your kind of information when you become, like, a really big person? Right. Like uh no 
<laughs> here's why right i'm protective of the thing itself so if if i have like a hundred million in stocks that i want to i want to yeah. save right i'm protective of that because i don't want people to get that and take that away that's my hard work that's that's my money i don't want people to hack my bank account right but do i care if people know how much i have and it gets put out there on the internet that i'm making said amount of money no i mean people work mm -hmm. that out anyway people work out how much jeff bezos is making by the second anyway <laughs> it's gonna happen it's inevitable so just trying to get away from it is it's not gonna happen right you can't yeah you, ca you can fight it for so long before you realize that you can't win there's there's too many people <sighs> that are trying to find that information against your one self who's trying to defend yourself so i think if you just put it out there anyway it's like the the saying if you don't want someone to make fun of you just make fun of yourself and then it, you you take away that power from them right you're not giving... or, or or you just don't don't react yeah you don't just don't care see your reaction <laughs> yeah, it's, it's simple and i think people care too much i think people care about opinions of other people i think people care about their perception to other people uh, they they have this uh, vision of how people want to see them, whereas you should be more focused on just doing what you want to do and being yourself rather than trying to look at what other people think of you and shit like that. I think there's a there's a societal shift in that, and I think it's, yeah. it's partially social media fueled and partially mm -hmm. like like social media. I can't remember who said this, but social media hasn't ruined us, but it's exposed us, right? So mm -hmm. people who yeah. re really like this is extreme, but people who are like really into like dark, weird shit, right? They're just getting yeah. exposed and it's being shown like uh, 50 years ago, there was always that weird neighbor that did dodgy shit. <laughs> like people are weird and they do strange things. You just get to see it now. Everyone, everyone can see what you're doing. It's kind of open and people don't like having their dirty laundry aired. It's just yeah. exposing people for who they are, not ruining them. It's actually, uh, speaking of Jeff Bezos <laughs> and uh, Amazon, they actually had this um, case in the US um, quite recently, I mean, the last year, where they created a platform, which is AI generated, kind of sense, um, where they, well, they actually is beneficial for companies, for private companies. They use that platform for facial recognitions and for example, you know, like NBA or football, like when you watch that sport games, um, the, the kind of the machine detects each person's face, features, and then tells you approximately the age, how old is he, uh, where is he from, um, you know, what position he plays, and a little bit of information, his racial kind of ethnicities. So it kind of gives you that information. So it, it allows the marketing companies Kind of market the their products to these type of people you know so they can attract the type of people who they think will really like their products and then sell their products to these people this is how they make money instead of advertising to the whole world and nobody really you know wants it whilst advertising to a group of people who would actually really really enjoy it yeah. um but the issue was when the government and the public companies started to use this platform to attract people to vote for them. <laughs> so they were like, 
And the one of the person, I don't, I don't know his name, he said, I don't want to be walking around the street and <laughs> someone watching me uh, thinking that I would vote for that person and just using me for political kind of power, you know? So um, I want to have that privacy where I don't get to be watched by politicians all the time or public by public, you know, institutions. So they, but the issue is, there was no laws again. There were no laws to regulate mm -hmm. the, the, the kind of platform that Amazon put out. So Amazon said, okay, we put it on hold. Um, we're, gonna, we're not gonna allow public institutions to use our platform for a year. And I'm gonna give you time a year to create laws and regulations to regulate yeah. um, our platform so we can use it. <laughs> so this is how they went about it. So they, people, they wanna use it, but they can't use it because there's actually no laws to regulate it. Mm -hmm. So for example, in the UK as well, um, thing is Wales uh, domestic police or something. They use a facial recognition um, in like a tube area or something. So they have a list of suspects that they're searching for. And so that camera, it kind of, you know, thanks to you know, facial recognition, it like detects people and says, okay, this person looks like the person you're looking for. So they're trying to match the person. So that this is how they're trying to find people. But um, one of the guys who they who they thought was a suspect was actually not a suspect. So he sued the company for using the, the program. They said that it's actually unreliable. And the fact that they're me watching me, uh, thinking that I was a suspect is kind of illegal and infringing my kind of privacy rights and stuff like that. So they said that it will put out hold as well, hmm. <laughs> unless they have some other regulations in place. But this is the like the main issue is the fact that people are putting out so many like machine-like things, but they, they don't even know the implications of it. And once they do, they feel like, okay, I can't be protected. So then they just wait for the laws to be you know, implemented. Yeah, I think technology moves quicker than everything else. So everything else has to play catch up. Like, I mean, technology advances exponentially and the lawmakers can't keep up. Like, how can you expect them to come up with a new law for something that's only been available for like six months? Like, people, exactly. like, I'm going to, my thing is I want to be part of the people that are creating these, these things. And Einstein created uh, nuclear the nuclear bomb, but he didn't create it directly for that impact, right? People took it and used mm -hmm. it to create that. It it was used for for energy. That's why we have nuclear reactors. But mm -hmm. it's that you can use everything for good and bad. I'm just creating something, and it's being put out there, and then you can everyone else decides how they want to use it, right? It's not my job to regulate mm -hmm. what it's used for and how it's used for. I'm just making this thing. Right. So mm -hmm. I don't think it's I hate when people penalize like Amazon or something for building it. They didn't build mm -hmm. it for for the reason to in like invade on people's privacy or misinterpret suspects in that that particular case. Yeah, they made it for uh, as a system that's able to uh, recognize people uh, through face uh, facial recognition accurately and reliably. Right. And match it. Mm -hmm. That's just a thing they just built it it's yeah you, how you want to use that is up to you like it's it's like a part in a car you can use it like in this way but you can use it whatever you want you can melt it down you can do whatever you want with it if you buy it then that's that's your job and people aren't looking at software in the same way they're looking at like hardware right the software is is moving so quickly and it's doing so well 
and it's not being uh, regulated, but mm -hmm. it's not the company's fault for it not being regulated, right? Why should they stop making advancements just because the law and the judicial system is too slow at keeping up, right? That's not their fault. Yeah, <laughs> true. But like, the reason why the judicial system is slow and they should be able to give it time in that sense is because they, it's a very, very hard job. Oh, no, <laughs> I'm not saying that, it's not. Yeah. I'm not saying it's <laughs> in easy. The sense that, yeah, it's for them to create a law, right? <laughs> they have to like consider so many things, as I said to you, like ethical, moral, psychological, societal, economical, political, all those perspectives, which is why it takes them like a year or two and to create a law, especially in the UK, where the more democratic a country is, the harder it is to pass a law, especially. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Too many people's opinions are just yeah. wrong. Yeah, too many people being involved in the yeah. UK, especially because you have House of Commons and House of Lords. So the House of Commons must pass it to House of Lords, and House don't like it, they pass it back to House of Commons, and so yeah. they pass laws. Ping pongs, yeah. Exactly the ping pong process, right? And the House of Lords actually has this kind of prerogative power where they, if they don't like a law, but the House of Lords can't technically change law if they don't like it. But if they don't like a law, they can like say. Okay, then fine. If you, if you don't want to change it, but we don't like it, we're gonna leave it for a year. So yeah. they have this prop, you know, power to delay it for a year. But House of Commons, for example, they don't they don't like it because then it could be very slow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they have to wait for two, one year or two years, so they would have to comply with the recommendations and stuff. So it takes a long time, which is why it's understandable in the sense that why lawyers take such a long time to create laws for technology, but because there's so many factors they need to consider. And also the fact that sometimes the manufacturers themselves don't even know what the machine could, could do eventually. Well, yeah, learns, of course. But you know? It's yeah. Not, why is it their fault or their job to, to take care of that? It's like, it's, <laughs> it's not up to them. You don't expect, uh, uh, like you buy a car off a, a company. You don't expect them to, to take care of it 10 years later or know what's going to happen in 15, 20 years, right? If you decide to, yeah. to run over a person with a BMW, is it BMW's fault for making the car? Well, no, it's not. It's, it's not their fault. They're just putting it out there. What you use it for is up to you. So, and that's, and it's not fair to, to hold back like human advancement, basically, because that's what technology is, is human advancement just because the law is taking too long and people there's too many people involved and they can't pass it right yeah true it's not fair but, on people if, if there's a net benefit for yeah. something even though it can be used negatively but also don't you think like the, this is one of the biggest actually questions to raise um if if a, a computer scientist or an engineer creates an ai machine right and if for example in law for example so it, it give it gave a misleading opinion or misleading advice to a client and the client lost because of a huge amount of money so of who should be liable the manufacturer of the ai or the ai itself because the ai doesn't have a conscious mind the um, client it, the client <laughs> right. why, why the client That's i think I, I think if there's there's a lot of things right where you can you can rely on uh, on software near near perfectly right but I, finally you have to understand that it's never perfect right software is never perfect mm -hmm. why do you think you get app updates why do you think you get there's bugs why do you think it 
it's never perfect. You can't make something perfect, right? And if you're relying on it to be perfect, that's your own uh, fault for, for thinking that, right? You can't possibly think that it's going to be perfect, even though it is a machine, right? Not, it, yeah. Nothing's ever perfect. So if something does make a mistake or it's uh, inaccurate, right? You decided to take that as, as face value, right? You're the one who's making a full decision based on that. If you think that something doesn't line up, it's more likely right than it is wrong, but it's not the machine's fault for getting it wrong, right? Everything can mm -hmm. be, be wrong. There's, there's people who are in court that are uh, convicted all the time that, that it's not true, it's not, it's not the case, yeah. right? And uh, there's a lot of issues with, with the law in that sense because if you, you, could be, um, you could be in the right, but someone has a better lawyer on the other side and they can defend it better, so that means you're just uh, shit out of luck and you're convicted incorrectly because someone can uh, portray their opinion or, or give a more uh, accurate answer to a jury, whatever they want to, to please them mm -hmm. to get it that way. That happens all the time and people don't see it in the same way. They're like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. but the machine was wrong. Yeah, but the machine was wrong once out of 100,000. People are wrong way more. So whose fault is it? Well, but also, I mean, obviously, this would depends on the case by case basis. Of course, yeah. But like, but for example, what if the manufacturer, like the computer scientist, created a variable? Oh, I don't know how how they create these machines, but I don't know. They create put in a data variable that was very, very unreliable, or it was very biased, and they put it in there, in you know, intentionally or not intentionally, and negligently, let's say. And then that was the reason why it caused a mistake um, at the end result. Do you think then they could be held liable for that mistake? I mean, yeah. I mean, if if someone makes a mistake, I, I think it's it's <laughs> completely fair, right? That you, that you consider it that way. But the odds, the the odds of things working like that, because the way s software works in a sense it's, mm -hmm. it's more difficult right because people are lazy it's more difficult <sighs> to add in all these variables for it to be uh misleading and inaccurate than it is to be accurate right because you have to add mm -hmm. more code right if when you're when you're coding and programming you could just mm -hmm. be like uh just one line of code you could be like color eyes blue green uh gray uh other right that's mm -hmm. it but adding in, if the, the color of the eyes are blue, then you have to do all of this, right? That's more hassle. Yeah. And people are generally lazy. They're going to make it yeah. as easy as possible. So the odds of that happening and that being the case, I think, are less likely. But then again, you can't take anything as, as certain. Like, you have to be able... That's where um, interpreting stuff is, is important, right? You have to be able to understand when, when something looks wrong and when something looks right. If it, you you have to be able to look at like a resultant data that's what i have to do as an engineer and when i'm report writing is looking at results like i i run a simulation and i'm looking at it and i'm like this doesn't match up with what it's supposed to look like so i have to disregard it and figure out why mm -hmm. it's what, uh, running wrong so a lot of things like that are put in place before something even gets put out to the public but can you expect things to run a hundred percent of the time no like self-driving cars are never going to be perfect but they're going to be more perfect than people right that i think that's yeah 
that's fair, but you can't blame. Everyone wants to blame someone, right? I think that's kind yes, of. Yes, well. People <laughs> Most want. Most lawyers do want to find a person who wants to yeah, get to blame. <laughs> I mean, what's easier to digest? Uh, something. Uh, people made a mistake. It was an honest mistake. It it didn't happen on purpose, right? Especially if someone's mm -hmm. grieving or it's, it's a very serious situation, right? You can't digest that uh, like fairly in that situation as you would. Okay, he did it. He's at fault. That gives you closure, right? Understanding mm -hmm. that, putting it, doing it that way gives people closure and, and, and makes it easier. But whether that's the case or not, it might not be like if software goes wrong you want to blame the the software engineer that they, they didn't do it on purpose like the accidents happen and the world isn't a perfect place so it's easy to put blame on someone for your own uh self like self-conscious and understanding and that's what i see it as when it's like all these cases but i might be very different because i'm looking at it as, as an engineer and i don't like being put to blame for stuff when it's not really my fault yeah i understand because you know what lawyers think i mean i can't obviously speak for all of them but they say if you train a dog and a dog bites someone and cause severe physical injuries you should be at fault because you're the person who trained the dog so you should train them better you know so they kind of have this kind of analogy where like if, if you created something <laughs> and, it, and it had disastrous effects you're at fault because you're the one who created it. if you haven't created it it would have never happened you know and that's so, that kind of thing so hitler's mom should be condemned for life because she gave birth to her. <laughs> like, i mean like... technically yeah <laughs> and then you could just keep going back down the whole family tree like they're that whole family line just they're all awful people like they're terrible people there's not an independent view or soul there right? perhaps i mean for law is actually just to sum up this kind of the whole law and ai is actually one of the oldest professionals i would say because yeah. laws you know, they've always been here. Even even though there's one or two, three people on this planet, they, they had some type of rules between them, right? So it actually is a law, just not informal, but it's a law between them. Yeah. So they had rules. So if you do that, you're going to get punished. So you cut consequences. So this is one of the oldest things. So it had, it, it's such an old you know, thing. So it's so old that they have such traditions that they still stick to them and they don't really like to change them you know yeah. what i mean so for example if they have to write like give bundles and bundles and create them full of paper and paper and writing all of that researching and reading and reading all the contracts all the small little details take such a long time they, they like to do it manually they don't really like have a machine to take over it uh, to the point where it's actually one of the oldest professions that incorporated any type of machine that work. For example, just this year because of the pandemic, they started using Zoom and Skype. <laughs> so because that was the only way that they could communicate. Um, and they found it, I mean, can't speak for all of them, but they did some find it difficult because they they didn't have to use it that often before, mm -hmm. you know, it was not the first kind of aid of communication they always did in real life. And now they they just have to train themselves. They have to learn how to incorporate 
as you know, as le- less complex than any other machine, of course. But a Zoom, for example, mm-hmm. um, they have to learn how it works and why it works and stuff like that. How to create breakout rooms and how to create <laughs> meetings and stuff like that. So, I feel like they're finding it difficult, but then they also have to adapt to it. So, but that I feel like it's one of the um, spheres to realize it just this year how important it is to. Um, be evolve, you know, evolving, not just stick to the mm-hmm. same old traditions. So, that's yeah. that's why I think um, uh, uh, maybe it's just because engineers generally like think f- like for the future. So when there's something new that comes out, that there's, I'm always looking at how I can incorporate it. It's like, oh, how can I bring this and make use out of it? It's not looking at what I'm doing and being like, no, I don't want to change. I'm I'm constantly looking at change and how to mm-hmm. how to change and how to evolve because if you don't, especially as an engineer, especially as someone who's going to be at the forefront of stuff, you're never gonna make any money, right? Why why would someone buy something that's 15 years out of date because I'm too stubborn to change? It doesn't work that way. So having yeah. forcing it. And I think a lot of people are stubborn. It doesn't even just have to be like in the law and uh, or any field. People are just generally stubborn and don't like change, right? No, people don't like changing. Unless they're Democrats. But... <laughs> yeah. Democrats like change. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to touch on something very different, but I just wanted to think of it, talk about it, is uh, is you're obviously from Kazakhstan, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've seen Borat 2, right? I have. You have, right? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I want to know what you think of the first one and the second one, right? What is like your perception and what is the perception of people of Kazakhstan? Because you don't often hear directly from, from someone who is from that nation because it isn't, uh, there's not that many people in the uk from kazakhstan it's an interesting topic the second one i would say very very nice (laughs) (laughs) just you know stick with the theme of borat but (laughs) um it is one of the most controversial topics i would say yeah it's like data in the uk (laughs) but the same in kazakhstan They're, they're very divided on this issue um very divided the more traditional conservative, I would say, kind of Kazakh people that grew, grew up their whole life in Kazakhstan and have have this kind of very mindset of patriotic and nationalistic mindset where I love Kazakhstan and everything about it. Um, they obviously hate it. <laughs> they hate the first and the second one. They think it's very discriminatory. They, they're saying, why don't you sue um, the creator, why don't you sue the people who they kind of misleading? They, you know, they ruin our reputation of a country because this not this is not what Kazakhstan is and it's not how it is in our country. Mm-hmm. But for me, um, and the I would say the people who grew up abroad, for example, I grew up in Malaysia and mm-hmm. um, for example, my husband lived here for 10 years in the UK. So people who have a different mindset, um, they don't really care about they find it funny for example i found the first one is very old i think it was in 2000s or something 2000 it was 14 years ago 2006 i think yeah so that was very old so i mean the production was very bad of the movie but it was <laughs> very so, old. It, it was it wasn't bad it was just done <laughs> on purpose right it, it was very specific yeah. if you look at our stuff yeah. from that time like if you look at friends 
right? That's very high yeah. production. They they chose to make it bad production, like on purpose. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's done for that that aesthetic, right? Yes, that, yeah, I understand. But like, I feel like the first one was a little bit more. I would say, if you if they would like to call it discriminatory towards mm-hmm. Kazakh people, because the jokes were very straightforward towards Kazakhstan, you know, very yeah. like things that back in those days as he i think sasha uh, sasha Cohen with the he actually did say that no i actually really like kazakhstan <laughs> i think it's a beautiful country you know oh, it is. Uh, it's pictures, like, it yeah it's just it's just back in those days nobody really know you know nobody really knew what it is so this is how i thought that i would you know base it based on stereotypes i would create a movie so but I actually i don't agree with most of the things i say there it's just jokes mm-hmm. so <laughs> In that sense, I do agree, but the second one is maybe more targeted, not just in Kazakhstan. If you've seen it, right? Yeah, yeah, I've watched the second it. One. Yeah. So it have you realized that it's not just Kazakhstan? It's just so many countries that he's been making fun of. It was yeah. also in the US. It, it was mainly yeah. the US. He was make he was Yeah. I didn't like the second one, right? I'm gonna be honest. I really <laughs> didn't like what? it. Why Why not actually? Right. I I thought it was a poor sense of humor it wasn't uh it was very it's not discriminatory now <laughs> no it, it's it's not that it was there was subtleties with the first one that he, he never in essence said oh uh this is how people are in kazakhstan this is exactly how people are he went to houses and he acted in a certain way to give off a perception right so these American yeah. people were there and they were looking at him he was like doing weird stuff that that <laughs> foreign and so strange that makes it hilarious because it's very unpredictable but in the second one he was very but i know it's the the whole target of the film right um the second one was very direct and focused on on these like western things that are just weird and odd right yeah like politics right yeah, yeah it was very political uh and it was like it just wasn't done uh elegantly like the comedy comedy was very like uh, so you found the first one elegant <laughs> no it's not like elegant in that sense but i think the comedy was way more well written right yeah and, and it was uh, thought through i think this one was a bit of propaganda towards the the election right at the end of the film was, go vote right he was directly targeting mm. uh republican americans and trying to show them to be these like idiots that don't understand what they're doing right mm-hmm. it wasn't done to it wasn't made in the essence of trying to be a funny film it was made as like mm-hmm. i want to portray these people in this way right the first yeah. one he didn't intend on making it like about uh taking the piss out of kazakhstan he was making it about this foreigner who just uh who goes and do- western people just don't understand what he's doing it's it's very different there was the humor was done more uh elegantly that's i think that's best word i can think about it that's why i didn't like this yeah one. true i mean yeah i would say that the second one's a little bit more romanticized though yeah. <laughs> in the in, in the joking way kind of it's just like it is very like uh very appropriate you know for elections coming yeah. up so i think but i i liked how they connected the first one to the second one 
I like how he said he said like, oh, like our relationships were ruined, and I want to give him a gift now so that we can make it better. So in that time, I like how they connected it because it was actually obviously not ruined in real life, but <laughs> um, how how he kind of came up, you know, with the kind of idea with the second one. But what I liked about the second one is it's also as stupid as the first one. It's just that yeah. he makes these kind of jokes that are kind of disgusting in a sense, but <laughs> yeah. the, the type of things he shows in a second movie. But um, I feel like he makes fun of more countries in the second one. He yeah. makes fun of mostly, he made fun of most post-Soviet countries. Uh, yeah. I think he, he said this one thing, I'm not sure if I can say it here, but... <laughs> oh, you can say whatever. <laughs> okay, he said this one joke, which I found really funny. He said, oh, you're from... Um, Shit, the whole country Slovenia or something like that. <laughs> and do you remember that when he said? I think so, yeah. yeah. So I thought, like, yeah, I find it funny because he made, you know, fun of most like post-Soviet USSR countries and how they live and kind of generalize it more rather than focusing just on Kazakhstan. Yeah. You know? No, I, I think he was. I think my issue is how blunt he was with the humor. I think humor in. Uh, it's like comedy is very difficult to do correctly like like comedy uh, so many comedy movies are really really bad just because they're not mm-hmm. written. like stand-up comedians you'll see them do like some shows that are really good and then the same thing they they do it later and it just doesn't work right it's it's yeah. very particular and i think that when he was inferring to stuff a lot more that's what made it funny in the first one right uh mm-hmm. like when he, yeah. his wife died and then he was like uh he was so happy that he could try to find pamela anderson right that that is like it's brilliant but having having his daughter uh like bleed out on her period while dancing yeah that was disgusting it, it was just it like it was very crude it wasn't really funny it was just like this is a yeah. bit it's not really making me laugh it's a bit like what what's the point of this I don't get why yeah. it's supposed to be funny. So <laughs> Yes, that's true actually. But um what do you actually think about you know did you did you have any idea like how the Kazakh people react to this? Do you think we oh, yeah. don't like it? <laughs> oh I can I can wholeheartedly agree why they don't like it, right? I can associate that if you swap out every word for, of Kazakhstan for Serbia in that con- in, in that context, it works it, in the exact same way. It works. Yeah. Right? But would you feel offended though? No, I don't. I watch mm-hmm. like comedy like people taking the piss out of like Serbians all the time, <laughs> and I find it absolutely hilarious because a lot of the time it's true. Like. You don't want to admit that yeah. some, sometimes it's a little bit crude, but it's a little bit true. That's what yeah. makes it funny, right? You can, when you can laugh <laughs> at yourself, uh, I think you've gotten to a point that's that's really good. But I get why uh, you wouldn't like it, right? I 100% understand if someone's like, no, this is ruining my country. And especially well, if you go to you America like... and you say you're like mm-hmm. from Kazakhstan, they will instantly associate that movie with, with yeah. Kazakhstan right a hundred percent because they have no other knowledge right what other information yeah. do we have out there? <laughs> so i get exactly. it exactly but don't you think like um what about serbians in general on average how, how do you think they they would react if a certain movie came out with see i think idea? i 
again I, I can't speak for everyone but the people yeah. around me right the people that I've spoken to then the people that that I was around they would find it funny right they would they mm -hmm. would find that kind of humor hilarious I mean most Serbians love the movie like my family we watch Borat 1 as a Christmas movie that's our like <laughs> tradition because in uh, one of the songs my mom knows like it's a old Eastern European gypsy song right she yeah. knows that song from growing up like it, it's just as much it feels just as much like my culture as it is like Kazakhstan I don't know how similar yeah. but True. there's a lot of similarities there so yeah I think a lot of people would find it hilarious but there's a lot of conservative people that would that would think oh no this is ruining the reputation of the country but I think Serbians have a yes, true. bad enough reputation as it is as a country to <laughs> so one more thing isn't really going to ruin it <laughs> yeah and you know the, in Kazakhstan in, in regards to the movie they've been having these movements where in response to the movie they made short clips of Kazakhstan and the nature of Kazakhstan and they said like oh it's actually very nice <laughs> and then they showed like the mountains and like all, you know the leisure activities we have and the nature and everything in that short clip so they're trying to like contradict the movie but I feel like although it is quite helpful I mean I don't mind it I, I mean like because some people actually don't even know what, what Kazakhstan is but mm -hmm. I'm like I'm quite surprised on one hand because it is a very big country <laughs> yeah. if you look at a map it's like ninth biggest biggest country in the world <laughs> but I'm like surprised I'm like have you not seen the map like yeah but I'm like on the other hand I'm like yeah I actually agree why they don't really have much information because Kazakhstan's not really doing anything much because it's quite not developed yet uh it has been independent from the Soviet times just for about 20 25 26 years mm -hmm. Yeah. It has been independent for that long. So, you know, as opposed to, for example, the US, which has been independent for like a year, <laughs> years and years, hundreds of years, you know, uh, of course, they're more developed with everything they have. Mm -hmm. So it's just that they don't have enough time to prove itself. But I do believe that Kazakhstan is one of the developed countries in Central Asia. Mm -hmm. um, in comparison to like Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Uzbek, Turkmenistan, I feel like Kazakhstan is one of the you know <laughs> <Uzbekistan>. yeah <laughs> most developed uh, central asian country i would say so i mean i would agree why they don't have much information in kazakhstan so this movement of showing like clips of kazakhstan with the country itself i i, I don't mind like i do support in the sense but i don't feel like it was so necessary you know because for me the movie was not too you know, show Kazakhstan that might discriminate. It's just, it's just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when, 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 when um, they made a movie, the dictator. Oh yeah. In front of the North Korean leader, you know. So <laughs> they, there's so many movies that most Americans make because I don't know why they like to discriminate on the countries, but. Um, but then again, Sasha Baron is an American. Yeah. He's British. Yeah, exactly. Which I thought like. British Americans, they, they they like to make movies that discriminate the countries. Yeah. Well, they're the people <laughs> like, who are usually making big movies anyway. Like yeah, true. So they, if they, anyone's gonna make it, it's gonna be one of those kind of studios. 
if we're honest. Yeah, so I was like, Kazakhstan is not the first country, you know, that's made up fun of. There's so many other countries we made fun of. And it won't be the why should we either. feel so sensitive? Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not going to be the last one, right? And I think, if you imagine, right, most people had no idea what Kazakhstan was, right? Now they actually have yeah. an idea of Kazakhstan, right? They might possibly even go there, which, mm -hmm. which I think is important. If tourism is a big part of uh, a lot of countries so if people are going to a country even just for the sake of let's see what it's really like just as a joke and they'll come mm -hmm. there and realize actually this isn't anything what we expected most of uh, the the scenes in Borat 1 that were like oh this is Kazakhstan were filmed in Romania this is <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not even based there it's in a completely different country because uh, I think he said he was like I couldn't film in Kazakhstan because it was too nice looking like it wouldn't come off the right way it was supposed to look like a shithole so we can't film it in Kazakhstan <laughs> we gotta film in Romania <laughs> yeah <laughs> my Romanian pretty close my Romanian friend finds it hilarious <laughs> actually yeah it's true most of your post-Soviet countries do look like Kazakhstan anyway like in the sense of like communism and stuff like that because mm. all of the buildings look alike like in russia most of them look like alex the me mm -hmm. <laughs> i mean that's everything i have had to talk about i mean unless there's anything yeah. else you want to mention uh, uh, that's all i spoke about uh, we spoke about the eye borat is very yeah. interesting <laughs> yeah well, i had to bring it up mm, yeah yeah i really enjoyed it <laughs> I mean, it, it's been really a pleasure having it. you on. Uh, maybe talk to you in in future yeah. as well when you're when you're out there in the real world and of law. Yeah, experience for sure. Sure, so. I'd love to share. I mean, thank you for having me, and thank you for your questions and the just the discussion in general. No problem. It's it's been great having <laughs> you. Uh, I'll leave your uh, links to socials in the description. Uh, you can tell okay. people where they can find you anyway um okay i mean i don't really mind but they can find me on instagram i guess mm -hmm. it's a uh, kunya the lower hyphen set that's it <laughs> i mean i don't really have any socials <laughs> that's great i mean some people promote linkedin on here so oh okay <laughs> um linkedin is just my name and my surname but yeah. I, I think we can, can leave that um in the comment or in the caption yeah because otherwise it's too long my surname is very long <laughs> all, right. all right thank you for coming on and thank you catch you in the next have one. a good evening <laughs>